This is London Calling. London Calling. As returning officer in the leadership election, I can confirm uh, that we have received one valid nomination. Rishi Sunak is therefore elected as leader of the Conservative Party. Welcome to London Calling with me, James Dellingpole, and my very good friend, Mr. Toby Young. Tobes, I imagine you're gagging to talk about <laughs> inside baseball, aka latest developments in British politics. Well, Actually, I suppose it should be inside cricket, uh, shouldn't it? But, um, <laughs> it should be inside cricket, indeed. Um, or, or inside yeah. association football. Um, but uh, or, uh, inside... inside. I, but, but, Tim, can I just say, I can't bear to talk about the whole the, for the whole show, because I just, I just find it ineffably tedious, though I can see why, why you might well, think it's important. Let me give you my take on what's happened. I mean, it, 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 yeah. it's been quite a dramatic few days. I think since we last recorded, um, Liz Truss resigned. Um, uh, a leadership contest. She was the shortest ever prime she was, minister. She was the, she? Well, that, that's, that, that's a gag I saw on Twitter today. The shortest ever serving prime minister has been succeeded by the shortest ever serving prime minister. Because of course Rishi's only oh. five foot seven, um, but uh, so since we last recorded, Liz Truss has resigned. Um, a leadership contest has been announced. Boris looked as though he was going to enter that contest, and then at the last minute he pulled out. Um, then Penny Mordaunt pulled out, and so Rishi Sunak has effectively been crowned our new prime minister. Although he doesn't become the new prime minister, I think for a few days, um, and it is quite remarkable. I mean. Um, who would have thunk when Prince Charles um, ascended to the throne, um, even though he hasn't been formally crowned yet, that he, by you know, that six weeks later, um, he would have already, he'd already be appointing his second prime minister. I mean, he never, he might, he might yet catch up with his mother. I, how many was she on? Do you know? Um, I think I did, I did look it no. up earlier, um, uh, but it was, I think it was something like 17. I think it is 17, um, which is pretty remarkable. So he probably won't catch up with her but you know so we've effectively had two coronations in the past um few weeks james we've had the coronation of charles the third and now we've had the coronation of rishi sunak um i think i think i i i i will concede that it looks like a globalist wef coup yeah you were saying that last week on twitter and i was really looking forward to this show where Tobes finally admits that Team James is the only one to support, and and he he comes and joins a bit like that game, a bit like um, is it uh, what what's the game you when you catch somebody and they join your team? It's not British. Like, well, it's it like is British bulldog, bulldog, isn't it? Yeah. Sort of, isn't it? Oh, well, it's not. Maybe it's not British yeah. bulldog. No, it's um, it's well, my father used to call it. He was brought up calling it cocky Ollie. Oh yeah, um, yes. Well, it is like cocky Ollie as well. We used to, well, yes, I used to play that a lot in. Did in you Wales. call? Did you yeah. call it, it um, cocky Ollie? Well, anyway, as well. whatever. T- yeah, Team James. I think has <laughs> cocky Ollie me swept the board. <laughs> well, I, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm rather cross with um, the Conservative Party for making my life more difficult, making it harder to 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 hold my corner um, in our ongoing to stay in the Overton <laughs> yeah, yeah, window. Uh, our ongoing exchange, James. Um, so. Um, but I tell you what I think what I think's happened. I think it's it's a coup of sorts, um, but I don't think it's um, an orchestrated coup um, with kind of sinister folks pulling strings behind the scenes. I think it's effectively a coup carried out by um, the markets and in particular the bond markets and the currency markets. And what I mean by that is that um, it was because Liz Truss's mini budget was unacceptable to the bond markets and the currency markets that she first had to sack her chancellor and then had to go herself. Um, uh, And it's because I think Boris and probably Penny too are unacceptable to those markets that Rishi has been installed unopposed. So I think we are effectively beholden to the bond markets and the currency markets. And I don't think it was ever thus um, I mean, they've always been quite powerful um, and there have been previous periods in our history when they 
circumscribed our political choices. But I think the reason we find ourselves so beholden to those international markets now is because we borrowed, you know, upwards of £400 billion over the past two and a half years to pay people to stay at home and not to work. Uh, I think ultimately the reason our political choices are so circumscribed today and we've effectively had a prime minister imposed on us by the international markets is because Britain is teetering on the verge of bankruptcy. And the reason for that is because of we just completely mishandled the pandemic. So I think I think that's the root of, of, of what's happened over the past few days. Uh, and I don't think I don't think the, the markets themselves have been manipulated. I think they're probably reacting in a perfectly understandable, rational way to the fact that Britain has just, you know, accumulated this enormous national debt um, and doesn't seem to have any coherent plan for paying it off, indeed, to stop it increasing. Um, And I think that's why, you know, Liz Truss was rejected. And I think that's why Rishi's been installed in her place. Uh, That's my read. Right. Well, Team James um, listeners are just like, like tearing their hair out at this point. Because they're thinking, well, what are these 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 markets you're talking about? These, these these just kind of these airy, swirly things that just have a mind of their own. Uh, you, you seem to want it both ways. That that, that on the one hand, these these markets uh, have have decided that we are going to. They are now in charge of of of, of who is running, who, who is prime minister of Britain. And at the same time, you're saying there's nothing weird or sinister about this. Well, I'd say it's very, very sinister if you've got these outside forces deciding who is prime minister of Britain. I think, you know, you're halfway to admitting it and then and then you're sort of pulling back because you don't want to you don't want to admit the truth, which is that what's happened in the last few months is 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 proof that the deep state is controlling everything i mean the by the deep state i suppose i mean the predator class the the cabal these these forces have have made a mockery of of, of the notion that we are living in a democracy where our elected elected representatives serve us which they clearly don't and probably haven't done since time immemorial but they definitely aren't aren't doing it now they are just puppets i mean look at our new prime minister rishi sunak he is a world economic foreign man through and through his his rise to political prominence is deeply suspicious i mean look that he he's sort of gone from being a, a banker to being parachuted into a into a safe seat um uh, and, and and then made made chancellor at a ridiculously young age he i, I mean what do we know about him he he's he's a uh, I, I believe that, that that all these all these characters are selected at a very early early age to be to be creatures of the system, and that Rishi is is one of them. You know, you know, his father-in-law is known as the Bill Gates of India. I mean, if that doesn't doesn't start you worrying, I don't know what will. And and he's he was a a, a former co-chair of the World Economic Forum in in two thousand and five. So, and I think you, you, I think we're in for a rough I'm, ride I'm, here. I'm, Un, 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 unwilling to help you out, but there is also a further piece of the um, conspiracy theory which you've left out, which is that yeah. doesn't he have? Isn't he the major shareholder in a company called something like Infosys, which is which is oh the, yeah, oh yeah absolutely Infosys yeah yeah which is which is which is um, WEF on steroids. It's even got its its headquarters is that illuminati symbol a ginormous pyramid so yeah yeah it's 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 and really infosys is, it's really is essentially a kind of um uh it, it it's a sort of digital passport system right it's a kind of social, a social credit, credit system, system which yeah. has been which is already um in, in operational in india and, and and in other parts of the world as well I think. yeah plus rishi's hedge funds uh, um, various various hedge funds made a fortune out of um, big pharma. Moderna. Shares we don't know that. We don't know the, that for sure. Yeah. He hasn't disclosed or uh, he hasn't he hasn't answered the question when asked whether he profited from from you know sales of the Moderna mRNA vaccine. Um, he didn't reply. So I think he he just refused. 
Oh, well, that's really not <laughs> well, suspicious, is it? I mean, you know, like, he didn't well, reply. And then there's a, there's a slew of dodgy characters that he's going to bring in, in into a, a government as, as advisors. People like uh, Richard Sharp, who was at Goldman Sachs for 23 years. Anyone who's been at Goldman Sachs for, for 23 years, you and know it, it, But isn't, isn't Richard Sharp it, now that he's just, now the chairman of the BBC, isn't he? I think... I think he is. Uh, yeah. you, no, yes, think quite is, possibly. Yeah. I mean, well, the 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 BBC is big evil as um, well, isn't it? So, so yeah, that was I, where where you're. I mean, I I can see why you've leapt to the conclusion you have, James, and I agree. The circumstantial <laughs> evidence, well, well, but with this copious and unarguable no, evidence, it, it, you the mean? circumstantial yeah. evidence is quite compelling. But you made a leap in there, which is a leap I can't make, which is going from Toby. You've conceded that um, external outside forces are essentially dictating our political choices for us. Um, you went, And insofar as I think the markets have played a determining role in our politics in the last that few That was days. just an official story. Um, uh, but, but you then went from that to, um, well, these particular external forces are behind it all and that that that's i can't make that leap i think it and i don't think there is a kind of you know i don't think that the markets um are are i don't think that people like you know bill gates and warren buffett and klaus schwab you know can completely control they don't completely control the markets if they did they'd be even richer than they are um you know it 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 it's not about the money at this stage, Tobes. It's about it's about power and it's about the global master plan to turn us into, into dead bodies or slaves. That's what it's about. I mean, you can, you can go on pretending that, that that the world is still normal and everything's going to be okay, but these people have been been conspiring over decades, if not centuries, for 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 what's happening now and this is the end game i mean anyone who looks at politics now and thinks oh yes i'm sure maybe rishi will will make things better because he believes in low taxes or whatever nonsense excuse they come up with it's just you're away with the fairies if you think that that, that this is gonna gonna make things better i don't don't think this is gonna make things better necessarily i mean i I don't think rishi's gonna be a great prime minister at all um and i expect um you know um the Keir Starmer-led Labour Party will win the next general election, and I think that'll be disastrous for the country. Um, so, I, for that reason, I would have preferred Boris. I think, you know, for all his shortcomings and however disillusioned I might be with him, and I am, um, I think he had a better chance of winning the next general election than, than, than Rishi does. Um, but uh, so I don't think I don't think they are all the same. I think uh, free speech is going to be. Um, uh, much more under attack, under siege, under Keir Starmer than it will be even under Rishi Sunak. Um, and I, 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 one test coming up for, for part, part of the kind of conspiracy theory about this being a globalist coup and Rishi being the WEF's man is that he's going to essentially impose a Chinese-style social credit system in the UK, roll out central bank digital currency and so forth. Well, one test will be... Um, uh, an amendment has been tabled to the government's um, uh, f- uh, financial services and markets bill. Um, it, it, I'm calling it the PayPal amendment, um, which would effectively make it illegal for financial services providers to um, withhold custom from people, either refuse to open accounts for them or kick them off their systems um, for purely political reasons. Um, and we'll see how that amendment fares. But if it does end up passing with Rishi's support, um, then I think that will give the lie <laughs> to the uh, theory that uh, he's he's essentially been he's a puppet of the WEF, whose main job what that one well, that, thing that that, 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 that well to... it wouldn't just be a sop. It would essentially stop the emergence of a Chinese-style social credit system in the UK dead in its tracks. And I think there's a considerable support for it on the conservative back. I love back your benches. optimism, Tobes. I, I, I'm, I'm not that optimistic that it will pass, but uh, I'm 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 excited to see what happens. Um, but yeah, I think we're we're both going to be in the gulag, Tobes. You're, you're just you're just in denial about it. <laughs> we thought that um, if, if Corbyn got elected, didn't yeah. we? Um, uh, one thing, James. One thing. I wish Corbyn had been elected. It would have been better. One than thing what that got now, one thing that occurred to me, story. James, is that. Well, I, I wonder: has it ever occurred to you? That you yourself yeah. in, 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 might be um, being manipulated 
Um, so your distrust of um, any um, hypothesis, any research, any findings emerging from anything which bears the imprimatur of respectability, whether it be a scientific periodical, the BBC, a mainstream newspaper, you, you distrust all those sources of information. You assume they're all controlled by this sinister cabal, by the deep state, whatever. But may, may, maybe yeah. you've been manipulated into thinking that because, you know, the powers that be are concerned that someone with the imprimatur of respectability may stumble across something truthful that they want you to distrust. So they're sort of they're, they're, they're guarding against the possibility that anyone in the mainstream media, in the world of scientific knowledge production and so forth, might actually come up with something that undermines their authority um, by teaching you, by forcing you, by manipulating you into just distrusting everything you hear from that quarter. Has that ever occurred to you? Um, I, I didn't really understand that, Tebs. It's too it, it's too sophisticated, that argument for me. I mean, I, I, I'd love to know what evidence you have that the BBC is actually... Uh, contrary to all impressions, trustworthy and honest, or or indeed the mainstream media. I mean, the the, the mainstream media that, that I've stopped reading was did not did not not exactly cover itself in in glory in covering the um, the, the 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 pandemic or or the vaccine injuries, which it still refuses to talk about, which are, which I find absolutely bizarre. I I used to think that newspapers' job was to inform their readership on important matters like whether they're going to die or not by taking an experimental gene therapy. Um, but, but apparently not. Apparently they don't give a toss about their, about their readers. So I, I have absolutely no faith in... You're right. I, I have absolutely no faith in any aspect of the system. I think it is, I think it is corrupt uh, and tainted well, beyond see, measure. But, but I was hoping to persuade you by suggesting that yeah. you may be the victim of a conspiracy to force people to distrust anything they hear in the mainstream media precisely right. because the people behind that conspiracy don't con don't fully control the mainstream media and they're worried that the mainstream media may stumble across some important and embarrassing truth and so if they've already taught you to distrust everything the mainstream media says they're guarding against yeah. the risk that somebody in the mainstream media says something reveals something that's actually true uh, and which fundamentally undermines their agenda so, so who are the who are the people pushing this conspiracy? Well, Describe them to me. What what what's their aim? Th their, their aim is to make you distrust all all official sources of knowledge, um, because um, they're concerned that you know the truth isn't on their side, and that somebody one day, a scientist, a proper journalist, will stumble across some embarrassing truth, and they want you to distrust it. So they're guarding against being embarrassed by it by 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 teaching you to distrust everything that originates in that sort of general place yeah um well, well i'm still a bit lost i, I mean i look i i suppose that that the um the the cia has something called as, as a limited hangout where they they offer um good information amid the the, the bad information and the, the purpose of the good information is designed to persuade you that the bad information the misinformation is also kosher no no sure it's the other um, way around they they, they um they they what i'm talking about is the other way around but that's a good analogy but it's just just let me put a slight twist on it which is that imagine an intelligence agency um is bombarding yeah. you with misinformation so you distrust everything Let, let's say it's 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 um it wants you it wants you to distrust <laughs> an, an intelligent yeah. source so it corrupts the product yeah. of that source with lots of false information. So you'll just generally dismiss right. everything coming from that source. Oh, that's brilliant. So the newspapers are full of crap in order to, um, as, a, as, a, as a kind of gigantic psyop. And actually, the, the purpose of this is to, I don't know what, to... Well, to it's not that it... Discredit the good stuff that, that occasionally... It's, 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 it's not that the newspapers I, are full I, of crap. It's too complicated You've been for me, taught Ted. to be cynical about all knowledge coming from any official source, because that's the best way of but, safeguarding but against the possibility. It's objectively a bunch of lies. The only reason you think it's not lies is because you, you still depend on them for your income. I know that the newspapers aren't reading. They've all given up the job of, of, of um, relaying any kind of true information. They're all deeply corrupt. They don't give a toss about their readers. They don't give a toss about the truth. They're just lie machines. 
That's it. it. It may be that in thinking that you are yourself the victim of a conspiracy to make you think that. So you distrust yeah, everything yeah. they say yeah, sure, in case they sure. say anything that's true and unhelpful yeah, yeah. to the cabal that wants yeah. to control the world but doesn't yet. Well, you think that, James, okay. if you want. All right. <laughs> I'm, sure. I'm not going to persuade you, obviously. Should we hear from our first sponsor, James? No, no. We've got um, uh, one, of our, one of our old favourites, one of our mainstays today. And here we go. When journalists break a story, they never do it alone. It takes an incredible team. If you're looking to build a team that shapes headlines, you need a hiring partner to help you find top talent who will ask tough questions. You need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview and hire all in one place. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like Indeed Instant Match, Assessments, and virtual interviews. Hate waiting? Indeed's US data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose CVs on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. Join over 3 million businesses worldwide using Indeed to hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute that I've been talking to you, 16 hires were made on Indeed. Indeed knows when you're growing your own business. You have to make every dollar count. That's why with Indeed, you only pay for quality applications that match your must-have job requirements. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Visit indeed.com slash London to start hiring now. Just go to indeed.com slash London. That's indeed.com slash London. Terms and conditions apply. So, James, um, you, as as I think, I don't know who, which one of us is taller. I, I suspect we may be the same height. But do you know? Oh, I don't, I'm, I'm quite short. Us, I'm, I'm five foot eight. How, I'm a, how tall well, are you? I claim to be five foot eight and a half. But my children always laugh at me when I claim to be five that foot half. eight and a half. It's as though, um, yeah, well, they're, they're, they're not laughing because it makes me sound insecure. They're laughing because they just don't believe it. They think I'm really five foot eight. Um, and oh, uh, right. and they've also pointed out that as I get older. Um, not only is my penis going to shrink in size, but I'm going to shrink in size as well. I'm, I, we're all, according to them, incredible shrinking men, but it seems to particularly apply to me. So that they, they, they think I perhaps was five foot eight one day, but I'm rapidly approaching five foot seven with a microscopic penis. That seems to be the sort of general gist of um, of what they say to me about my height whenever I claim to be five foot eight and a half. But do we not take some comfort from the fact that um, you know someone our height? A small man has finally ascended to Downing Street. No, no, no comfort there, James. I, I don't really uh, identify with short people. Ah. Um, I don't look at I don't look at Tom Cruise and 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 go, he's a short heart, short ass. He's just like me. Don't you? I, I do. Think, you see, I think, oh, oh. no. I think I just think he's a short ass. Who's 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 all I can think about is is how they arrange the shots. So that that um that the much taller actors next to him don't don't make him look like a dwarf. Uh, That's all I can see, think I, about. I think he's. I, yeah, I, I'm uh, maybe I'm more conscious of it than you. I probably am more status conscious than you. But I've always sort of I think I've always I've always felt uh, that I've suffered from you know shortism, sizeism all my life. That if I was only you know a couple of inches taller, I would probably be in Downing Street by now, um, or certainly in the House of Lords. Um, and I, I, I've, been, I've been I always say so ha- handi- handicapped oh, by my diminutive height. Um, and uh, it's odd. And, and I feel like, you know, Tom Cruise, I love Tom Cruise, partly because, you know, I think of him as being even shorter than me. And generally, if I look at the people I'm really good friends with, the people I kind of instantly bond with, feel warm towards, I'm talking about men, they're generally people either my height or, or shorter than me. And I find it slightly tricky to kind of develop good friendships with people that are taller than me. But this may be why we're doing this podcast, James. You know, if you were a couple of inches taller, maybe I wouldn't be doing it with you. Um, so and I, I, so I, I kind of un- yeah, I, often people are cynical when, you know, they talk about um, people. People say, isn't it fantastic that we now have, you know, a prime minister of colour? He'll be a great role model for kind of people of colour across Who the United Kingdom. Well, lots of people are saying it. No real person says well, that. I, well, you think it's, it's just, just idiots you, on you Twitter. Think it, no real person has ever said think, that or thought that. 
he, they, he, literally, Twitter's lit up with that sentiment. Everyone's it's expressing like, it as though, as though it's, it's just occurred to them. I suppose it's a one way. It's, it's a good way of trolling the Labour Party, right? You know, you're, I no, I, I just think it's a, it's a nonsense. No, no real person says these things in the same way. Did you see um, that some? Well, no one cares about LBC, uh, particularly not in America. They haven't even heard of it. But it's a kind of lefty London broadcasting um, channel, isn't it? And some bint on that on that program, uh, the, the, they had a, a, somebody who phoned in and he, he used the word globalist. It's very important, Jerry. As we carry on this conversation, please don't use the phrase globalist again because many of my Jewish listeners will find that incredibly offensive um, because it has also been used at times as uh, a racist put down to the Jewish community. So, so carry on, Jerry. Uh, since when was globalist uh, 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 an anti-Semitic thing? It's like it's like everything gets re rebadged according to the needs of the um, of the shit libs who hang around hang about on on social media and want to steer the agenda and control the narrative by by forcing people to tra- tread on eggshells about absolutely harmless terms. I mean, globalist. It, we know what a globalist is. Yeah, I, I, it was um, I, the, the the presenter you're talking about is I think she's called Sangita Maiska. And she is indeed an LBC radio presenter. Um, I yeah. think she. I think she occupies the. Oh, I, I think she's. She's just like the the kind of afternoon slot. Anyway, yeah. She. She. I think oh, yeah. someone. Someone. Um, someone did say that um, Liz Truss's defenestration and the attempt to install Rishi in her place was a globalist coup or a globalist plot which it was and and she and she then called them out for anti-semitism and i think people have said that when nigel farage said that he was being anti-semitic and we actually published a piece on the daily skeptic um a couple of days ago saying we didn't think that the word globalist was in fact you know a synonym for the jews uh, and therefore claiming <laughs> it's not claiming claiming that it's a globalist coup is not i don't think a straightforward well, example I mean, of anti-semitism I, let's, let's look, look from a different angle the people who are saying that globalism equates with Jews automatically means that they believe that there is this Jewish conspiracy to take over the world. I mean, that's what they're basically saying. That's what they're endorsing. That if you if you use the word globalist, it means the Jews, which is just. I'd say that they're the ones who, who with the problem. I think it's it's part. It's it's a general smear, isn't it, against anyone who. Um, comes up with um, that kind of explanation. You, 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 you first yeah. of all accuse them of trafficking in conspiracy theories, and then you claim that the kind of um, common denominator of all conspiracy theories is a kind of anti-Semitism, that all these ideas of, you know, a, a sinister cabal of um, rich financiers kind of uh, working in secret to kind of manipulate governments across the world that that idea well, that, that's, that, that, that idea originates in the protocols of the elders of zion um uh, and that that it's really just a it's it's just a, a version of you know um an ancient perhaps the oldest conspiracy theory of all which is essentially the root of anti-semitism i think that that's the sort of that's the that's the argument isn't it that's the smear there's there's a book that, that somebody I, I had a brilliant um event in stroud uh have you ever been to stroud i think i have been to stroud yes it's in a lovely part of the country it's it's very close to um sided with Rosie country slad where where laurie lee wrote right wrote lived and before he wrote sided with Rosie. Um, and it lost the show. It's it's it, it, it's beautiful. It's uh, in 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 the Cotswolds, um, and I had an event there. It's also famously woke. It's it's probably second only to Brighton, or maybe third only to Totnes, um, for for kind of greenery wokery, and there were threats by by some local eco fascist group to 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 come and disrupt my event, but it but it never transpired. Anyway, they were absolutely lovely. The people there. And one of the things I got given, I got I got given lovely gifts because I've got lovely, lovely fans, uh, was this book. You've got to get. I, I mean, I, I can really recommend it. I, I don't know whether it's been given out free or what. It, it, it's 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 very beautifully put uh, put together and published. But I didn't I didn't see a price on it. The book is. Have you come across it? It's called One Eighty Degrees. 
Okay, I really recommend it. Um, it, it unlearn the lies you've been taught to believe, and it's. I suppose it's it, it's really particularly good for people like you who think that there are these things called conspiracy theories, and that, that by definition they're not true, and it, it it tackles these these issues head on. So so I haven't got very far into it, but but leafing through it, there's a there's a good section early on about how, um, you know, conspiracy theories are real. Look at the example of the sinking of the Lusitania and Pearl Harbor. In, in, in both cases, th- th- these, w- these were um, cynically engineered by the powers of the, uh, um, the be to bring America into the war. I mean, the, 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 the Americans knew that the Japanese were coming at Pearl Harbor and they pretended they didn't. Uh, the same with the Lusitania. The Lusitania was maneuvered into a position where it could get sunk by a, a German U-boat in order that, that um, you know, the, the, the headlines in America would, would bring America into the war. So I don't know. I mean, I, I think that um, you and your children should read this book, Tobes. I think it would, you'd find it very educative. Mm. And, um, it, and, and, and it sounds like that people like me should read it to have our, our theories. Bolstered. So I just I just looked it up. And um, so it's called 180 Degrees because it essentially says whatever you've been told, you should believe the exact yes. opposite. That, yeah, re- that reminds me of there's a, there was a very funny Seinfeld episode in which uh, George Costanza um, decides his, his, his life. He's made such a hash of his life and his relationships, his career, that um, from now on, whatever he's inclined to do, he's just going to do the opposite and see if that he makes more progress. Quite funny. It sounds a bit like that. Similar. Yes, well, I think one would understand, understand the world better. If, if one rejected everything one had been taught as, uh, for, for example, you know how we were, we were all brought up to believe that um, thanks to um, that the, the vaccines were, the, were the, the, the miracle of medical medical science and, you know, all the stuff about the girls with with cowpox having perfect complexions. And, and, and when you when you actually look into the history of the development of vaccines, you, it, it's, it's completely not as as sold to us in our in our, our classes, uh, you know, at school. So, uh, yeah, I think that, that it would be very healthy for everyone to re-examine what they've been taught and, and ask themselves, well, how do I know that this stuff is true? How do I know that it wasn't just being, I was, wasn't just being fed a line by people who had also been fed a line and so on and so forth? Um, before we move on, we should probably just talk about um, uh, Boris's um, Grand Old Duke of York routine. Um, over the past sort of 48 hours, leading his supporters to the top of the hill and then leading them back down again. Um, do you have any read on that? Do you think he... he, he... I don't, I don't, no, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think about Boris at all, at all. So you must give me your take. Well, um, I, I, I think that... Um, I mean, the, the well, he said when he... Uh, for the benefit of our American listeners, Boris Johnson, um, uh, as soon as Liz Truss resigned... Um, rumours began, um, seemingly um, started by his supporters in the House of Commons at his instigation. Rumours began circulating that Boris was going to um, enter the leadership contest. But the um, 1922 committee, which is like the um, the sort of uh, uh, the most powerful of all the Conservative Party committees, um, uh, decided that in order to get on the ballot, you had to get um, a proposer, a seconder from within the Parliamentary Conservative Party, as well as 100 MPs to sign your nomination paper. So you needed to persuade 102 of the 360-odd Tory MPs to sign your nomination papers if you were going to get onto the ballot. Um, And uh, so there was some speculation about whether Boris would actually be able to get onto the ballot. Rishi passed that 100 mark quite quickly. Penny, more than the only other person who was a potential contestant, was struggling at around the kind of 25 mark. Um, So uh, there was a lot of speculation over the weekend about whether Boris was going to make the cut and uh, or whether he was going to withdraw, and if he was going to withdraw, was it because he couldn't make the cut, or was it because he'd made the cut but didn't think he could unite the party or pacify the markets and so on and so forth? Um, anyway, on um, yesterday at quite uh, quite a late stage, I think just after nine p.m., um, he announced that um, he had made the cut. There was no question about it. He he had enough MPs to sign his nomination papers for him to enter the race. But he'd sort of decided not to in the interests of the country. 
Uh, that was how he sort of presented it. But he also left the door open for a return. He said, I don't think the time is right for me to come back now, implying that the time might be right in the not too distant future. Going to give Rishi a go. And if Rishi messes up, Boris will be back. Um, but I think I think the reason um, he withdrew is because he couldn't get um, 102 people to sign his nomination papers. I think that's the real reason. I think had he got them, he would have entered the race because had he made that cut, it would have been him versus Rishi. Then it would have gone to the members of the party. They would have then had a vote. And Boris is overwhelmingly more popular with the members than Rishi is. So he probably would have won. So I don't think he can have willingly given up that prize. I think he just didn't get the nominations. But what what was rather shocking about his behaviour is that he encouraged all these big conservative beasts like um, Nadim Zahawi and James Cleverly and um, Simon Clark and various others to endorse him to endorse his candidacy saying they thought he would make the best prime minister um uh, only to then pull the rug out from under them so they've effectively blotted their copybook with um uh, rishi who's now much less likely i imagine to appoint them to cabinet positions because they declared for his you know arch enemy um uh, so boris doesn't really care about about them um which is sort of slightly shocking but perhaps not that shocking <laughs> Um, uh, if you if if you if you know anything about Boris, um, but I felt sort of aggrieved on their behalf, particularly Nadim Zahawi. I mean, he was he was left in the most embarrassing position. I mean, Boris has embarrassed him now twice. First of all, Boris um, persuaded him to become his chancellor when Rishi resigned, which was the event that triggered mass resignations and eventually Boris's resignation as prime minister. About six weeks ago feels like an eternity ago but it was only six weeks ago so uh nadim became his chancellor for like about a you know a week or something so he became the shortest serving chancellor in britain's history um uh, and then at 9 p.m yesterday um rishi sunak published a piece in the telegraph online saying why he thought it had to be boris and by the time the piece appeared like minutes beforehand Boris had withdrawn. So that was spectacularly embarrassing for poor old Nadim. I don't think he's going to be led up, led up the hill by the Duke of York again. At least I hope not. Um, anyway, so, um, yeah, Boris has uh, once again um, disappointed his uh, most loyal supporters. Of which I think I, I think of myself as one almost. I mean, I did I did publish a piece in The Daily Skeptic saying it has to be Boris because I do think that um, he's the only uh, only one who could um, have a chance at least of defeating um, uh, the Labour Party at the next general election. But uh, and I do think that um, I do think that Keir Starmer would be worse than Boris. But uh, anyway, um, I do feel now slightly slightly embarrassed that. Uh, I, I I came out for Boris, only for Boris to declare he wasn't running after all. Um, so should we have um, should we hear from our friend Thor, uh, James? For Thor, I think so. Thor sent in a voice note. I'm I'm not going to attempt uh, a Thor impression. Well, maybe I should. Uh, how would Thor speak? He'd speak like a like a. a I've met many good people. Well, he speaks. He's, like he's, he's, he's got a, he's got a, a, a quite a posh sounding Scottish accent. Um, oh, well, yeah. Well, uh, no, okay. I made him sound like Sean Connery. Imagine there. this That's is in a posh. Sound. Imagine this is in a posh sounding Scottish accent. I've met many good people since Toby first introduced us. I've had encouraging one-to-one catch-up coffees with close to a hundred London callers. City financial fellows packing Bitcoin through to compound bowmen of the woods with remarkable survival skills. Some decided to invest in my services, hiring me as a non-executive director, a ghost non-exec or executive coach. Some had such a positive experience they've been referring me to new projects. Thank you. Your fine wine is in the post. And now, following your feedback, our coffee club mastermind goes live. Monday, the 31st of October, guest speaker, fellow London caller, Jonathan Tate, talking about M&A mindset. Coffee Club will focus on what we can still do to deliver on business missions and hunt down entrepreneurial opportunities during the dark days ahead. I mentioned callers ranging from bow-toting preppers to city moneymakers, but truly those awake to what's going on are increasingly coming together. And getting themselves FSU membership. If you're not yet a member, go to speechunion.org and thank us later. And is it just me? Or have you also noticed Mummy and Daddy 
are quarrelling less recently. That's because that's because the mummy or, or daddy, whichever one I am, is right. Can't be a hundred percent sure, but what I am sure of is that the days of isolation as free thinkers in business are behind us. To hear more about Coffee Club and to connect, LinkedIn.com forward slash in forward slash Thor Holt or Telegram at Thor underscore Holt. I just have to correct one thing. I should have read this beforehand. It's um uh but it, it it's freespeechunion.org if you want to join oh, the free speech union he's ruined it not, not speechunion.org um, oh, so, so uh yeah silly uh, understandable error um speech at speech union is our twitter handle but the website address is freespeechunion.org yes please do go there and hit the join button um membership starts at uh, 2 pounds 49 a month it's cheap as chips we're practically giving uh, it a bargain away. yeah um, are, we, are we on Culture Corner yet, or have we still got to? Do no, I think we've got we we've got one more ad, and then we're doing Culture Corner. But what we can do is we can we can we can motor along because I think we've now covered the main news of the week. I just saw something, James, which I thought you'll probably dismiss as uh, yet more bread and circuses. But um, I thought it was I thought it was um, uh, uh, quite quite funny. Um, uh, I think it was was it yesterday. Um, just stop oil protesters um, uh, vandalized the waxwork figure of Prince Charles at Madame Two Swords. They do this thing now. It's like um, once they've carried out the act of vandalism, whether it's throwing a can of baked beans over a kind of uh, 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 one of the greatest paintings in the world, or in, in this case, they put a custard pie. Uh, in the face of the waxwork dummy of Prince Charles. They then kind of strip off to reveal their Just Stop Oil white T-shirts with Just Stop Oil written in black. Um, And it's as though they're kind of like, they think of themselves as superheroes. They're kind of taking off their costumes to reveal their kind of, they're taking off their suits, their casual day wear, uh, to reveal their superhero costumes beneath, like Superman in a phone box. Um, anyway, this is their routine now. They, 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 they perform some appalling act of cultural vandalism, though it might be a stretch to say um, <laughs> putting a custard pie in Prince Charles's waxwork dummy is an appalling act of cultural vandalism. But anyway, they do that and then they whip off their disguises to reveal that they are superheroes. But I thought it was just, you know, we've often talked before about, I mean, this I think probably does, in fact, it's probably grist your meal, James, because we've often talked before about the anomaly of um, uh, echo protesters protesting outside an event where all the people inside the event completely share their agenda to the letter. Um, uh, and you know Greta Thunberg complaining that she's not being listened to, and governments around the world are doing absolutely nothing to address the looming climate emergency. When in fact they couldn't be doing more, um, and they have completely bought into her agenda. And whenever she appears, you know, before them, they fall to their knees and genuflect. But who could be more aligned with the Just Stop Oil protesters than our, you know, than our Green King? Um, Prince Charles. I mean, you know, he is intending to address. He he practically. I think he didn't he open the WDF's kind of Great Reset event in which he talked about creating a new green sustainable future. I think he used the phrase "build back better." I mean, he couldn't be more aligned with the ideological agenda, the ecological anxieties of the just stop oil protesters and yet even so they kind of they decided to stage a protest which involved vandalizing you know the waxwork dummy of someone who effectively could be their leader i mean it's it was just it seemed to be the ultimate example of the absurdity of these protests i'm i i I spend quite a lot of my time berating people on 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 social media for 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 doing what you're doing now, which is essentially giving giving publicity to these people who are they're they're basically a, a, a they're working in cahoots with the government. I mean, you you know that the real purpose of these of these these protests, the, all the stuff that they're doing, the, all the disruption of traffic, all this this stuff in 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 museums and so on, it's designed to get the 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 norm is the people who who still take the the newspapers seriously and still take the bbc seriously it's it's designed to make them go we must have stricter legislation to stop these these people um doing these terrible things to our paintings and to our roads enough is enough let's let's limit the right to protest even more 
The, but you'll notice that they, they get away with this stuff absolutely unchallenged by the police. I mean, the number of, even when they're brought to trial, they get, they get let a group, off. A group That's were let because, off, weren't they, last week? Um, a group who yeah, vandalised, the They I are the stooges of the establishment. HS. They are being paid by the establishment to do this stuff. They're, being, they're working in cahoots with the government. I don't believe for a second that this is a grassroots movement, although some members of the public seem to be fooled into this. They, you, know, you hear people saying stuff like, oh, well, it's all these green, green, green protest groups who are, who are pushing the government in a particular direction. No, it's not. The government already knows what direction it's want, it wants, wants to go in. It, it wants to go more green because its controllers... Um, at WEF level and, and UN, UN Agenda 2030 level are, are pushing it and telling it what to do. It's not because of people like Greta and these these um, tofu munching, you know, eco loons. It's, they're, they're just they're, they're paid to do this stuff. But, so I don't know why we're talking about it. I, I, I think that but, they, but are, you're a, they are you, the, 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 the flaw in that theory is that you're assuming that um, if the government passes a law which makes it um, illegal to stage these kinds of protests, then they're less likely to happen. But what they do is already illegal, which is why, you know, they, they get arrested and some of them end up in court. I mean, sometimes the courts let them off, but that's because the judges are sort of, you know, share their ideology. Um, but but so, so there doesn't need to be, I mean, maybe the government could pass more extreme, more draconian. Yes, it wants, that's exactly but, but, what it wants but, to but, do. But, but, because but, but, because why would, what we're heading towards is fascist tyranny. Why would that make, you can't but, see it because you think it's, there's a bunch of cosy, cosy chums who are with us at Oxford and they, they mean us no harm. They're, they're, they're evil, Toby. <laughs> I just, I, don't, don't be fooled. I don't, but, I, but wouldn't, wouldn't people, I mean, won't people still protest? I mean, people weren't allowed to protest during, yes, during the lockdowns, get, they but they still a, did. Yeah, it, so it won't stop. It won't to, stop protests. Even when if they when do people start, when laws. people start waking up to what's going on, the government is then going to have have in place these these draconian um, anti-protest measures, which are going to enable them to send in their imported boot boys to go in with their with their sticks and beat the hell out of of, of, of p- people like like me and and possibly you if you ever wake up. Hey, wait a minute. That's, that's I, the deal. I, I did. I, I went on a couple of marches with you, James. Um, We're not not that enthusiastic. James. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say you. You were exactly. Right. Did you? Well, how many? A couple. I don't remember seeing you on one. You, yeah, you kept you, your you, train kept breaking down. No, 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 no. You you did see me on one. We we met up and walked down okay. the mail together. You don't remember that? Well, not the mail. It was was a, that the one where Julia Hartley Brewer refused to talk to me? No, I don't think so. It was, it was an anti. It was an anti-lockdown protest, which began in okay. Parliament Square, and then we walked up past okay, the cenotaph. Fine. You can't have forgotten about it. You may have been on the wacky backy at the time. Oh, that one, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Well, anyway, no, look, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying you're, you're a complete lightweight. Babe. So I, I just mean that, that this is what's coming our way, and and one shouldn't, one shouldn't. That it, it's, it, it seems to me a bit sort of. Facile to point out the the the, the irony that, that the, yes they're vandalising Prince Charles who's a, uh, sorry King Charles now as we must learn to call him who's a, who's a big greenie not they're silly they, it doesn't matter that all that stuff is designed to do is to is to generate a particular reaction it's it's a problem reaction solution and it that it's it's not it's not a grassroots protest is what I'm saying it's 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 they're working in cahoots with a with a very with very nasty forces in the establishment to to essentially crush crush dissent in this country and that's where we're going i i i credit them with being sincere and not doing it because they want to kind of usher in a fascist regime um i just think they're misguided and i think what's odd about their protests are that um uh that that they clearly aren't going to win any public support for the cause they're you know um advocating um you know what why do they think that ordinary people are going to be persuaded we need to do more um, to reduce carbon emissions and that the net zero by 2050 target isn't nearly ambitious enough by putting a custard pie in the face of a waxwork of our new king. You know, if anything's guaranteed to antagonise and alienate, you know, ordinary voters, it's that, surely. That's what's trying. But I don't I don't think I mean, admittedly, I think I think, you know, it's a case of Hanlon's razor, isn't it? Never attribute to malice what can be attributed to stupidity you're attributing that to malice you think they're bad actors who are in in cahoots with kind of bad people in the deep state who want to kind of take away our liberty i think they're just stupid yeah 
Well, we can, we, yeah, um, we can agree to disagree. Um, okay. Right. Do you think we can? Should we, should we have the ad and then do? Let's culture have one corner? ad, last ad, and then do culture corner. So, thanks yeah. to big tech, we're all under a constant barrage of communication. When you're not being messaged, pinged, or DM'd, you're being inboxed or added. Through the letterbox, nothing but bills, direct mail, and fast food leaflets. If you miss the joy of sending and receiving real letters, then you need eSnail. If you like the idea of a typed airmail letter that lets you choose fonts, add photos, and then arrives in a quarter of the usual time, you'll love eSnail. Head to eSnail.com, type or paste in your 800-odd word missive, and add the address and press send. eSnail then prints, folds, securely seals, and stamps the letter at the closest eSnail hub to its destination. E-Snail print and post daily from hubs in the UK, the US, India and Australia to anywhere in the world with a physical address. Cost and delivery time depends on the destination. An E-Snail letter sent from Mexico City to Hammersmith, from Hong Kong to rural Northamptonshire or to Granny down the road costs less than £3 or less than $3.50 and arrives in two days. London Calling listeners and all special friends get their first three E-Snail letters free. Use the promo code L-O-N-D-O-N at e-snail.com. Get on the right side of the argument. Join the letter revolution at esnail.com today. That's e-snail.com. Okay, James, how are you getting on with um, the way the way we live now? Oh, I haven't got any further um, because I haven't been on a, on a, a sufficiently long car journey recently. Okay. But I, I wanted to tell you my story about I was in our local church um, at the weekend, listening to this absolutely beautiful performance of um, mostly music from the Tudor period. So people like um, Thomas Tallis, John John Taverner, um, and William William Bird, and it was just just glorious. It was it was by by an organisation called fiori musicali which which is a sort of they they, they do concerts around northamptonshire mainly uh, and i i really recommend them if you live in, if you live anywhere near the area um and in the interval the one of one of the singers with his wearing his black tie accosts me in in, in the the pew and and says can you squeeze us into culture corner <laughs> And I thought, blimey, one of the performers is a is a London calling fan. And um, I'm sorry to say this, Tobes, but he admitted that although he he used to be Team Toby, he was starting slowly to move over to, to Team James, especially after the recent shenanigans. Um, but I, I, I think it's, it, it's, it's lovely to think that we've got these fans all over the place. Yeah. You never know where they're going to be. I... I um... Yeah, no, I, I, it's amazing how often people come up to me and um, and and say that they are London calling. At sh- probably at pheasant shoots mainly well, and, and grouse shoots. It, 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 no, actually, no. It's usually at um, you know um, uh, events of people who have kind of you know um, have have who used to be you know part of the mainstream part of the establishment but have been red pilled by what's happened over the past two and a half years and are now seeking information from alternative media um and pe- mm. people are, you know things like lockdown debates or at the battle of ideas recently i was lots of people came up to me and you know and they always they always announce when they come up whether they're team toby they say they love the podcast they've been listening to it for years and then they tell me whether they're team toby or team james and usually they say Team Toby, but sometimes they say Team James. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose it's a self self selecting audience. If they come up to me, it's going to be Team James. If they come up to you, it's because yeah. we're both very very daunting figures, and I think people are frightened of incurring our role. Particularly you, I think. <laughs> you're more. Yeah, you're, yeah, yeah, you're yeah, scarier yeah, than me. I think you're, they're more. They're... Well, yeah, but I, I'm 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 messed up, Tobes. I've I've got I, I've been feeling really weird um, since I've had my. Um, amalgam fillings taken out and apparently it does it plays havoc with your system uh, when you because of all that sort of mercury that's in there right so it's uh weird how oh do i i well how long have you got i i mean i, I i've just got brain fog really wild mood swings just sort of neurological problems it's like it's actually like having my the, the worst of my Lyme disease back and 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 the cure for this stuff is really really laborious you've got to have this well 
the the best treatment on the market has been been inevitably suppressed by the, the FDA and all the various regulatory agencies. You know, it's, it's sort of pending approval, and so the, the so the alternative is these things where you have to. There's one there's one where you have to um, take this stuff every three hours. Um, you know, day and night. So you have to sort of set your alarm in the middle of the night to take this stuff, and it and it makes you all weird, even weirder and worse than you were when you weren't taking this stuff. And so it goes on. It's it's horrible. Oh god, you're driving me nuts. Thing. Um, I know. I've, I it's it's I developed um, a weird thing recently, um, which is it's gone from culture corner to clinic, hasn't it? But anyway, Joy. um, I yeah. I um my elbow, um one of the not not the kind of big point but one of the littler points above the big point in my elbow um suddenly seemingly completely organically i didn't bang it on anything uh just start, started started to become quite painful and tender and it meant and it became after i went shooting last week um uh after holding the gun up and you know firing it a number of times um i i i it became really bad whereby i couldn't lift my hand above a certain height i couldn't reach into my jacket for my wallet i couldn't reach up to my face to take off my glasses um you know so my whole my whole kind of forearm was kind of spasming with pain if i tried to kind of use it to do anything practical with it and it all seemed to originate in this point in my elbow anyway i told caroline about it and she said for god's sake go to a gp it could be bone cancer which put the wind up oh, yeah. my father um uh, had bone cancer um oh, did he oh wrong. and it was it was Blimey. a you know a contributory factor in his death at the age of 86 um uh, so that put the wind up me so i did then arrange for a video consultation with a gp um and um and she diagnosed tennis elbow even even though I don't play tennis, which is like bone cancer, but 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 not so, not quite <laughs> not so, quite as bad. Fatal. Um, and uh, she recommended applying um, Voltarol, which is a kind of uh, it's like ibuprofen gel, but more powerful um, for joint pain relief. Something I didn't think I yeah, had yeah. to be applying until I was at least seventy-five, but uh, apparently I need it now. Um, anyway, I have been applying it, and it has got a lot better. So I think it probably is tennis elbow, even though. I, I, I almost never play tennis, uh, but you can get it from kind of lifting heavy objects or pushing heavy objects. So I probably, Caroline does have me do that from time to time around the house. So that's probably the origins of it. Oh, Toes, before before we um we talk about what we've seen on TV or whatever, can I just briefly give a shout out to another thing that, that was um another lovely present that was given to me? Because it was as a consequence of last week's London Calling. Remember I was talking about how I raw milk is really good for you because it's got all mm. these kind of beneficial bacteria that protect you from things and stuff. Anyway, somebody came up to me with this raw milk produced by the Stroud Micro Dairy, um, which, which has got that, that email address, stroudmicrodairy.co.uk forward slash co-op. Um, and it's, um, I think this is the way forward. I, I, I think that increasingly we're going to need to disintermediate between the the evil supermarkets and the the honest the honest producers who are just trying to get a fair price for their their produce and you know about the roar on the, the war on on farmers um they're trying to the cabal are trying to starve us out and trying to stop us eating meat and trying to force us to eat insects and i think places like the stroud micro dairy are, are, are going to mm. be our, our helms deep it was really nice milk as well. It's, have you have you tried raw? It's so much nicer. Is than it? T- does it taste more kind of gamey? Is it got kind of? No, it, well, not really. No, oddly enough, it just tastes a bit sweeter, maybe, and just like creamier. Okay, no, I must try it. Um, I'd say my, no. It doesn't. It doesn't taste all sort of bovine or anything. My wife has decided that we need to eat much more sauerkraut and kimchi. Um, yes, you should. This is very good for the gut, apparently. Um, yes, it is. So yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to. A London calling listener sending me some organic kimchi and sauerkraut. Oh yeah, I'll take some of that as well. <laughs> okay, right. um, so, uh, have you seen anything good on TV? Um, I, I, I quite like the new um, Adam Curtis series. Oh, do you? Yeah, about, about Russia, right? About the about yeah, yeah about post about the the Russia after the fall of the Berlin Wall and the collapse of the Soviet control system. Yeah, it's supposed to be very good. I haven't started watching it yet, but I do like Adam Curtis. Yeah. Uh, well, he's he. I, I think he's about the only the only thing worth watching. On, on on the BBC because he, because he's not really tainted by the BBC's political agenda. He makes these 
rather strange documentaries, doesn't he? Using found footage. Um, yes. With with previously with a really good sort of ambient or arresting soundtrack, uh, and 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 his his uh, theories always take you in, in all manner of different directions, and it's quite exciting. But this one about Russia, he's just he's just gone and and, and put together loads and loads of, of footage from Russia, well, the Soviet Union during the collapse of the Soviet Union, the collapse of of, of, of communism. And but with no soundtrack, it's just and there's no voiceover either. It's just you know the occasional bit of writing on the screen. And presumably, but, it has an anti-capitalist theme. I mean, he's quite left-wing, Adam Curtis, isn't he? Most of his stuff is kind of uh, an indictment of kind of late capitalism. I don't know. I, I I mean, I would well, I would previously have considered myself right-wing. I don't. I'm not sure I buy into those terms now. I I don't think of him as as being on the left or right i think he's just an original thinker i think i think he, he he's right more than he's wrong well i'll check that out although i did i, I did hate the way oh, this drove me nuts um he he spelt kiev kaif which i thought uh. was just stupid <laughs> just really stupid I can see why that would annoy you um so what yeah. have i seen recently um uh i've i've um I haven't started. I don't think I've started watching anything new. I did see. Oh, I rewatched the Imitation Game a couple of nights ago, which um, oh, that's I don't think it, it. I don't think it. Is that with Kira Knightley? Yeah, Kira Knightley and Benedict Cumberbatch about Alan yeah, Turing, yeah. and it, it hadn't improved with age. Um, uh, what else? Yeah. I, I see that there's a new series of Barbarians. I guess it's season two of Barbarians. We both quite enjoyed season one. Oh, is we? this about? Um... The, the the Tutorberg Forest and exactly all that. yeah yeah so there's it's being heavily promoted on Netflix but Arminius but yes but surely once once he's once you've had the Battle of the Tutorberg Forest why would you want to watch on I mean presumably it, it, it's all downhill from here the Romans are going to come back and punish him well, and did did season him, one they? climax with the battle in Tutorberg Forest I thought it did and I felt rather sorry for the for as one does I mean even though they're not the underdog normally I felt sorry for the Romans as they got butchered right. It all seemed a bit horrible. Yeah, it, it, it's, yeah, it's quite violent, um, and um, yeah, and it's and there's a kind of undercurrent of German nationalism running through it. It's like you know, this 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 kind of country subjugated by you know the global powers and uh, uh, fighting back. You know, um, uh, well, they were pretty ghastly, the Romans, don't you think? I mean, well, they were. They were. You know, you know, you know. There's a theory on the Romans that that people talk about the the thirteen satanic bloodlines that rule the world but there's a, there's another theory that on top of the 13 satanic bloodlines is a higher level of of families that you don't know you don't know and they're, they're the real controllers of of the world and they they all have sort of ancient roman names you know again sort of disproving this 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 right. it's all the jews narrative that the real the real i, I mean i don't know whether i buy into this it, it, it's a, a conspiracy too far even for me but the real rulers of of this of this world are these families with ancient roman names um have you heard that no, one? I haven't heard no, of course you haven't. Um, so um, no. I have, but they were they were they were bad. I mean, it would have been horrible, wouldn't it, to have been ruled by the well, Romans? Well, if you weren't if actually. you weren't you know um, a member of the kind of ruling class, certainly. Um, so um, I have actually discovered one new series which I don't think I've talked about before. Uh, it's on Disney Plus. It's called The Bear. Have you have you have you stumbled across that? Yes. Do you know? Weirdly enough, I have about the restaurant about about it. Yeah, about it. So it's about um, a a superstar chef. Um, yeah. who returns from, you know, New York, where he's been festooned with honours, um, uh, back to Chicago to take over his brother's kind of greasy spoon um, after his brother's um, uh, unexpected early death. And it's a kind of dysfunctional kind of uh, bordering on bankruptcy kind of neighbourhood sandwich shop. Um, that specialises in meat sandwiches, um, and he takes it over and applies some of his kind of chefing skills and kind of and and turns it around, and also kind of you know helps the um, poor benighted employees of this dysfunctional establishment kind of rediscover their dignity and sense of vocation. Um, and uh, it's pretty good, isn't it? It's pretty well done. Um, the acting's good. I'd say the it's script very is well good. done, if if implausible. I mean, the the the, the 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 premise that this top top chef then goes back to yeah. his. I mean, the, the the first episode is is that they're preparing 
sandwiches for a bunch of gamers and and that this the chef pawns or you know he sells all his all his old leather jackets all his all his sort of classic collectibles in order to be able to buy the meat which he needs to stew slowly enough or you know mm. whatever it is, whatever he's doing broil i suppose mm. he's american mm. they broil everything don't they um i i just i couldn't quite buy into that that he would do that for a gamer gamer convention yeah i mean it was i suppose they just wanted kind of people in funny costumes who are fans of this yeah kind of, oh yeah yeah uh, 80s game to kind of be in the show yeah that, it was a slightly implausible first episode but it's sort of i don't know it's 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 um it's all right that the I'm not sure I'm, I'm invested in the central character. What's he called? Kami. I'm not sure I'm as invested as I should be in his kind of redemptive right. arc. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's not bad. It's not bad. It, it, it's pretty good. I, if you like restaurant kitchens are if, under, if you're into, under yeah, If you're into food, there's a lot of food porn thrown in. It's kind of, the kind of tone is kind of, you know, social realism. So it looks like a kind of Mike Lee movie. Um, but um, maybe, you know, Mike Lee movie as directed by Martin Scorsese, um, but with, you know, a smaller budget um but um there's a lot of food porn thrown in into this kind of gritty realistic kind of almost black and white kind of uh mise-en-scene anyway it's not bad um i think that i think that's all I, I, i'm really enjoying dr thorne still um which is i think part three of the barchester chronicles um i was thinking maybe i might try some thackeray next have you what i've, I've read vanity fair and i think i've read one other but i can't remember what it's called are you a thackeray fan um well i've never read barry Lyndon, but i like the movie yeah barry Lyndon might be the way to go yeah i would have thought that's the one to wait the, the, the one to, to try yeah what about tristram shandy yeah. have you read that yes i have is it um, quite hard work it, it, well, it's a bit, it's a bit, it's a bit wearing. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's, you know, he's, he's, he does all these, these amusing um, postmodern tricks right. um, before postmodernism was invented. Yes. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's all right. Okay. All right, James. It's, it, it, no, it hasn't got the racy plot that you get from Trollope. I, I, I'll put it that okay. way. Okay. Okay. Trollope's very yeah. good at plotting. Okay. Yeah. All right, James. Good to talk to you. Okay. I think we've um, said everything we have to say. Um, let's hope we still have at least Rishi Sunak in place this time next week. We don't have to discuss yet another Prime Minister being <laughs> crowned king. Exactly. Okay. All right, mate. All right, James. Bye. See ya. Bye. This is London Calling. Ricochet. Join the conversation.